We're spending three weeks, actually four, because we're going to be at the barn service on Christmas Eve, which is our primary service for Christmas this year. We will not meet Christmas Day here at the middle school. And so we're going to have a worship service at the barn. It's going to be awesome. We did it last year. Be a, a little more involved this year, I think. But uh, bring out your friends and families. It's going to be an awesome time to worship Jesus in a very unique way uh, together as we remember the, you know, the reason for the season, Jesus' birth in this life and uh, his coming. And so uh, we're spending three weeks before that talking about Tis the season and maybe kind of dispelling some myths or, or maybe at least challenging some assumptions, presumptions about what the season is about. We talked last week about um, it's the season for gifts and I know afterwards I had a couple, couple conversations with you guys about, now wait a minute, what does that mean? And I don't know if I did a great job of talking about, you know, it is a season of generosity, but I definitely think we have to fight that cultural model that that's all it's about, that that's the primary purpose of of the season is to give and receive gifts. As a matter of fact, even as this week I was preparing, they were talking about, the, I was read an article about this idea of reciprocity. Re oh my goodness, I cannot say it. Who, did somebody just say it? <laughs> reciprocity, is that the way you say that properly? Nicely done, Earl, I have no idea. That sounds good. Yeah, so like in other words, where if you, if you receive something, then you want to give something, and there's this kind of idea, right? And we get that vibe from Christmas for sure. As a matter of fact, the article that I read about, and we're not going back to this, but was written to retailers to tell retailers that the way you get people to buy is to give them stuff first. If you give them something first, something of not much value, but that they'll find valuable, then all of a sudden they will come back and they will feel obligated to reciprocate and spend money for you. And, and we do that also in exchanges. Anybody part of an exchange this year? You know, got some exchanges going on, I'm sure. Um, usually a couple. Uh, sometimes they even become kind of silly. White elephant things. Or, or whatever. Uh, this week we're going to talk about something different now. We're changing gears. Three kind of major strokes here. And there's, we're, this is all rooted around the Christmas story, around the Christmas narrative is what we're going to do. Kind of look at what the scriptures say. This week we're talking about just the season to be happy right? This is easy to be happy. I mean, how many of you, when we were singing those songs, couldn't help but be happy when you're singing those songs, right? Like, you just get excited. I don't know if you're like me. I just get excited about that. And no matter what mood I'm in or how I'm feeling, I come in here, I start to sing those songs. I'm like, yeah, I feel happy, man. That's so awesome. Uh, as a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, we were out at the Lighted Parade, which seems like forever ago, but it's only two weeks ago now at the square, when they lit the square. Has anybody gone to the square this year yet? and looked at all the little, anyone, no one's gone yet? Does anyone go and look at those? You, okay, a couple of you have, yeah, right? Like, there are all these little animated things around the square. They're a little creepy. I do that, they're a little, I think when you're a little kid, you can be like, oh, that's cool, and you get to like, that's kind of weird, you know? Um, and then, as an adult, maybe you stand a little further back than the kids do <laughs> when you look at those. But super cool, and, and it's tradition up there to, to have that. And we were up on the, on the parade route, and we, were, we talked about that already, right? But this was the funniest moment. I wanted to share it with you because I thought it was appropriate um, for this morning's topic. We were standing there, and I mean, like is an exaggeration. Hundreds of people for sure. Um, probably over a thousand, a couple thousand up there. I don't even know. It was, it was bananas. And we were up there. I mean, I'm talking like the whole parade route plus the square. The square was the most packed area of all. And we were close to the square where we were and kind of all the way down Lindenthal, uh, the parade route went. 
And we were standing there in the middle and the fire trucks are coming and the adults and there's like people are like six and seven deep and little kids are pushing their way to the front so they can see, you know, some adults are using the kid pass to get to the front, you know. Um, and then there's people against the wall of our office in the back and the lights are flashing and everyone. And in the middle of this, and I couldn't make this up, right? But in the middle of this, there's this little dude. He's about this, I'm going to stand where you guys, like he's about this tall. And he's just lost in the sea of crowd, the sea of faces. He's just lost with his peers, and there's candy, and there's, and he starts to scream. Why is everyone so happy? Why is everyone so happy? He says it twice to the point that his mom goes, uh, yeah, that's my kid. <laughs> Questioning <laughs> what could make people this happy. It seems I mean, I guess I'm thinking he was having a short circuit. Like, he was kind of freaking out about it. It wasn't like he was like, I'm happy and everyone's happy and we're all happy. He's like, why are these people so happy? He was kind of, what's even funnier about it for me is that the day before was Thanksgiving. I'm thinking, what kind of Thanksgiving did you have? <laughs> when you're like, you know, that I understand, but this, what is this? This is crazy. Oh, uh, it's so funny, but this, this little kid, I mean, he was probably maybe like eight, I don't know, I'm bad at this, right, six, eight, I don't know, he was a little bitty dude, and he's just overwhelmed, and he could have been happy, he could have been like, what am I feeling this, you know, but it was so funny because he was questioning that, like, you know, and then and his mom tried to kind of explain, like, well, honey, because it's Christmas, and because Santa's coming, and because, you know, there's lights, I mean, why is everyone so happy, and it's so funny, but my, I guess my question is, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this kid asking the question, and about the season, and what it's about is, is, is that the primary purpose, right, is the primary emotion, if you will, of Christmas to be happy, I mean, is that really what it's about? Uh, many of us have had experiences where, where we, we've gone in place, we've had to, you know, act happy, act happy. And is that really, is that really what the Bible says that Christmas is about? Interestingly enough, um, there's kind of some research that's been done on this a little bit about the uh, seasonal effects and about things that happen for us as people, as humans on this planet, especially those of us who are in the northern hemisphere. Got to remember a couple of things. Our earth like rotates on an axis, you know, so it's a different experience for us. As a matter of fact, we sing these songs. We have these evergreen trees. We, we do these things and then you realize like, you know, we're in the northern axis, northern hemisphere of the earth and the Christmas experience for us is quite different perhaps than what it would be if you were in the southern hemisphere or, or in the desert or even on the equator, right? It'd be a totally different experience. But some things that do happen for us um, is there's something called seasonally affected disorder. Does anybody know what that is? Seasonally affected disorder? Yeah. And it's because of the sunlight changes that happen and some people who have major depressive order, disorders get worse this time of year because there's not, not a lot of sunlight exposure. There's just a harder season. Um, I know some of you get kind of sad when it's the fall. Like, oh, it's the fall, you know. Now it's the cold winter and, and you get kind of bundled up or locked into your house. That's, that's one thing. So there can be some, you know, heightened depression this time of year, which is, you know, that's not very happy. You know, is it? Talk about that. Like, is that part of the season that we experience? Someone else, uh, another article I was reading said that we can experience as a normative function more upset or more irritability this time of the year, which can be related to things like stress, of course. You know, it's a stressful time of the year for a lot of folks. But it's also related to things like our circadian, circadian rhythms get a little wacky. We, we do this funny thing where we fall back and we mess up our sleep patterns right before Christmas, which is 
awesome thing to do. Serotonin levels are down. Uh, melatonin levels are down because we're not exposed to so much sunlight. And so we're not producing as much. And uh, that's kind of that same effect, you know. And so it can create, it causes to be a little, uh, just a little irritated. Matter of fact, some people in the northern hemisphere, the extreme north, call this um, cabin fever where you're in your, you're in your, kind of isolation and you just start to feel oppressed and you, you just get really, really crabby and that might happen for some folks and that doesn't sound like a very happy, happy experience uh, for people. And then, you know, other things happen, you know, like uh, I think in some ways uh, the holidays as awesome and as joyous as they are, for some people the hurts can manifest more in the holidays, you know, like things that you can kind of deal with during normal business hours, right? During normal life, uh, you come to the holidays and those pains become more pronounced. You know, maybe uh, there's been some change in your life. Maybe you've lost a loved one or there's, this is the first Christmas without so-and-so, whether it's grandpa or mom or dad or brother or sister. And then, and that actually in all the revelry and stuff, you're like, we're all so happy. But you're like, gosh, I really miss mom. I really miss dad. And that hurt can kind of be amplified. Almost I mean, almost, right? Like everything that we experience is by comparison in some way, right? And so it's almost because of the, the happiness around us that these hurts can be amplified even more. Maybe even, and this is what I want to talk about a little bit, maybe even not feel as included in the season as others. Matter of fact, some, sometimes maybe people will just withdraw. I don't think I'm going to go. I, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be good company at the party. I'm not going to be able to put on that face for everyone that's having such a great time right now. And that's fair. And that's fair. And maybe, you know, for some folks, this time of year is a lot of insecurity. It's the craziest thing to think of. It's the craziest thing to think of. But I've known many people who've lost their jobs around the holidays. And, you know, literally every time I hear that, I think, like, what kind of employer you know, would do that to people, like, right before the holidays, like, by the way, you're fired, or you're laid off, which is, unless you're union, it's a nice way of saying you're fired, you don't get to come back, and uh, people have had that experience, and it, and it seems to be a particularly difficult, right before the holidays, right in the middle of the season, and then all of a sudden, and maybe, I don't know if you're there yourself, you know, but maybe you have a lot of insecurity, what, what does next year look like? Can you even enjoy the season because you're, look, you're, you're thinking about what's ahead and you're not maybe feeling very happy at all. You begin to feel detached from the celebrations around you. And so I guess what I'll talk about today is maybe a little bit more of a robust biblical narrative about the truth of the emotions of Christmas. I think it's, it, the scriptures are so full, replete with experiences, human beings, and sometimes we kind of carve them out to this little niche that we feel is safe, you know, and we say this is how, what it means to be a Christian, and this is what it means um, to celebrate the season, and then all of a sudden you begin to read the scriptural narrative, and it's much, much uh, wider than we had expected. So I'm going I'm to um, go ahead and get into the Word and ask the question of the text, is this the season to be happy? Like, is that true? Is it the season to be happy all the time? And so I want to do that in three parts today. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter 1, maybe. There we go. Matthew chapter 1, page 676-ish, if you use one of our Bibles. I'm not sure that page is exactly right, but it's really, really close. Um, and so I want to talk through this narrative. And this will be the same narrative we're going to use next week as well. I mean, this kind of the, the, the same basic texts as we consider this Christmas season that we're called to celebrate. 
starting in verse 18 of chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Man, I just love that opening already. <laughs> His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, he was found to be with child through the Holy... She was found to be... That would be a neat trick if he was. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph... Her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. This, of course, is the narrative of the emotional experience of Christmas of Joseph. And I want to kind of talk through that a little bit. By the way, before this, if you're ever wondering, that list of names is about the genealogy of the house of David, proving that he's the Davidic household, this Jesus, even though Joseph isn't his biological father. He's born into the house of David, the promise, the prophesied one. But I want to talk for a minute this morning about the emotional experience of Joseph. In other words, if we are, as Christians are going to say that Christmas is all about Jesus, then we have to acknowledge the family that God chose to sovereignly place Jesus into. You see, we, we, we believe that about people, that there's no accidental birth, there's no accidental parents, that God chooses to sovereignly knit us together in a mother's womb. But here in Scripture, we have an exact a model for God's care in placing his one and only son, the word become flesh in this family. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Joseph's experience of this. Now, I don't know, I don't know, like, I, I just want to be real, because this is, you know, before the Christmas carols and all this stuff, and you just have a young man, probably older than her, but a young man nonetheless, who has seen this, this beautiful young woman, and, and he's desired to make her his wife. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting they say he had a mind to divorce her. It means to throw her out, to, to send her away, right? Because they were pledged to be married at this point. It wasn't quite the full commitment of marriage, but they had had some, uh, um, some ceremony. They had some commitment made, and it was a public endeavor they were after together. So you can imagine that Joseph had been courting Mary. He had been um, interacting with Mary's parents and he had been examining her and all the stuff that comes with a new relationship. I don't know if you, I just want to spend some time thinking about that, like the reality of that, that time that you saw someone that you really cared about, you know, whether you're married or not married, that, that person that you're like, oh, that's, you know, and that begins to stir in your heart, the hope, listen, the hope begins to stir this could be the one. This could be my bride. This could be the one that I give my life for. This could be the one that I publicly proclaim, profess to love. Right? And so he's done that. He's done the courtship thing and he's, he's, he's excited, right? I mean, I can't imagine like he wouldn't be excited to be pledged to be married to Mary. And the word says this, 
his mother, the baby's mother, Mary, was pledged to be Joseph. But before they came together, it means before they consummated the relationship in any way, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And it's funny, as you read it that way, you go, well, yeah, this is like we know now. But the truth is then, it, it literally means her womb was full. I don't know many dudes who are going to be very excited to find out that the girl that they're going to marry has a full womb, a baby in the, a, what is it called, the bun in the oven? At the very least, that's a hard conversation, isn't it? Oh, wait a minute. And it gets harder if you've never been with her. Can't imagine the emotion of finding out that the one that you had just publicly professed, publicly proclaimed your love for, the one that you were eager to build a life with, is now found with child, you know? It's kind of funny how it's all trapped in that nomenclature. It's the safe words, you know? Uh, her, her womb was full. She was with child. And, and, and it, it must have been painful for Joseph. It must have been excruciatingly painful for him. So much so that he began to change his plans. He began to change his plans. She's not the woman I thought she was. She's, she's not the one. Not only would his relationship with her have begun to die in this season of Christmas, listen to me, but his dreams and his hopes and his aspirations. As a matter of fact, I can't imagine it in that culture, in, in our culture today, if you had pledged to be married to such a person and they had disappointed you so severely that the next time you were going to be pledged to be married to someone, you're going to be waiting for something to go wrong. Joseph the sucker. You know what I mean? Joseph the, the fool. And the, but look, look at what the word says, but he was a righteous man. Yeah, I love, it says he did not want to um, put her out to public, expose her to public disgrace. In, in other words, in our context, he wouldn't have a Facebook fight about it, right? I can't believe she did that to me. That, 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 no, he's like, no, no. No matter what Mary's done, no matter what the situation is, I'm going to be the righteous man of God, and I'm going to quietly send her away. I'm going to, but it's over. It's not a question of whether it's over or not. But I'm not going to publicly disgrace her in any way. So he's hurting. He's still caring for her in this season. And then it says this. After he had considered this, and by the way, that's this kind of idea of, of wrestling with it in his mind. It wasn't just like a flippant decision. Like, matter of fact, it means that he had kind of doubled down his decision. It wasn't, it says considered this. It means he was going to do it. I mean, he had thought this through. This is the best course of action. He's a very logical guy. This is what we're going to do. It's going to happen. And after that, this is what the word says in verse 29. But the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, look at that. I know who you are. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Do not be afraid. We will hear these words over and over again today from the scriptures. Joseph was in fear. Fear. And, and the first word that, this, that the Lord speaks to Joseph is, don't be in fear. Why would Joseph be afraid? He could be af afraid of what it would mean for him and his reputation. Be afraid of what it meant for Mary. Be afraid of what it meant for the baby. Be afraid of what it meant in the community. Be afraid of what it meant for his business, maybe. Be afraid of what it meant for his family and friends. And the Lord says, don't be afraid to 
take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. And she will give birth to a son. And, and then check it out. So he's like, this is a God thing. And I can't imagine that moment. The thing that is happening in your wife, the one that you're pleasantly married to, is a God thing. Don't be afraid of a God thing, Joseph. He, he must have felt unsure about that, right? Need, needing some consolation from the Lord. And then it says this, and this blew, blew me away when I read it, right? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. I mean, th to me, that just blew me away. It's like, and you're going to name this child Joseph. It's not like, don't put her out for marriage, and, you know, or don't put her out for divorce. He said that, but he's like, you're going to father this child. You're going to parent this. You're going to name him Jesus. You are. You're going to name him Jesus. And it says, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, what must have begun to feel inadequate? I am, right? I mean, I was about to divorce this lady. I was about to, you know, quietly do the right thing. Yeah, but quietly go my way. And now you're telling me that not only am I going to stay with her, Lord, not only am I going to keep her as my wife, but I'm going to name the child and I'm going to raise him. And this child will save people from their sins. By the way, I don't know if you have a footnote. I have. The name Jesus means God saves. You will name him God saves because, as Joshua, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, check it out. 22, the Lord escalates here in a way I say escalates. All this took place, he said, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin, so she's not been with anybody, will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So as if it wasn't enough to say you're going to stay with the child and the Holy Spirit's involved here and you're going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, Joseph. But this is the one, the prophesied one that the prophets have talked about. This is literally God incarnate, God in the flesh. I can't imagine at this moment that he wasn't completely freaked out. Okay, so you go from your betrothed that you love to the one that you think has harmed you in some way or at least embarrassed you in some way and, and not making a lot of sense to one that you're going to retain to the one that's going to bring into the world the very Son of God, God with us, into my house, Joseph. Into my house. Being um, completely overwhelmed or freaked out would be, complete, would be completely understandable here. Completely understandable. And then two more things here on Joseph. We're going to move forward in the, te in the scriptures. Um, so Joseph does it. Praise God in 24, but here at 25. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, right? I mean, and I, I would think during that season he must have been embarrassed. Now I'm gonna, I know, we're coming outside of the lines here a little bit, but I'm saying, in a dream, God says, Joseph, you're gonna stay with her. You're gonna name the child Jesus. He's gonna be God with us. And you're gonna be obedient in that, right? That's a dream. Then you wake up and you say, Mary, good news. We're getting married. Plan A is still in effect. But then you begin to live your life with your wife for nine months who's carrying a child that is not yours. 
and, and all the stuff that you're doing in life, everyone, everyone knows what's going on. You, you're not hiding this. And it must have been embarrassing. And I'm not saying embarrassed like he was embarrassed of the Lord, but I don't know how many times, I don't know if he even did, the scripture doesn't record it, do you keep saying to your friends, no, 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 this is the Lord. I don't, you don't have that recorded, right? It's like just for Joseph. Joseph, you are a righteous man and you know this is of God, so you be obedient in this and you weather the storms of embarrassment. You weather the storms of ridicule. You protect your wife, protect your son because God is doing something great in your household. Man, what a remarkable uh, testimony that must not have been a very happy time for Joseph amongst his peers. I'm not sure how many people were congratulating him. Hey, high five, man. Pregnancy, good job. Probably not happening. And I don't know how many times, if ever, he was saying, dude, I had a dream. God's doing something here. But check it out. But he had no union until she gave birth to the son. And then he, Joseph, gave him, Jesus, the name Jesus. He must have been proud. What a great feeling at Christmas. Wow, that I could be part of something so great. That I, that I could be included in something so great. I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. I don't have the page numbers here, but it's two books back. We're going to go skip past Mark and go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to look at the emotional reality of Christmas for Mary now. Starting in verse 26. So you have Joseph's side, right? You have this kind of commitment from his side. Check this out. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. See, they have that whole package again. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled with his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month because nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary replied. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. See, now you have the other side of the same equation, right? And I don't have to unpack all that again, but, you know, to be a, a woman who is, uh, a virgin who is chosen, to, to have that same experience on the other side, you know, the tee-hee-heeing, you know what I mean, at the well, whatever they're doing, you know, the, the experience of really real courtship, to be, that this guy is going to be my husband, and the expectation of that, and then in the middle of that, to have God show up and say, Mary, I'm going to do something totally different with you. The angel went and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And I want you to see that right away, Mary's life is a mess. It's a mess. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. This means that in the moment, the moment she heard the greeting from the Lord, her soul began to be stirred into a big mess. She had plans and she had, you know, things scheduled. She had expectations for the future. And then in this moment that God intervened at Christmas, 
right, in her life, he just began to stir the pot in her soul, and she's like, oh no, what's going on? Isn't it funny that her response to uh, you are highly favored of God is, oh, this is going to be a mess. It says that she was greatly troubled in spirit when she heard the greeting from the Lord. Does that strike any of you as odd? Like, I would think, you heard a greeting from the Lord, you're highly favored. Like, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm highly favored. But that's not what we get. We get a troubled soul. What, what kind of greeting is this? It says that she wondered in her soul what this might be. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the first word there has this connotation of being distressed. She was distressed. And then the second word immediately after, she was panicked, right? So if you want to unpack it a little bit, it's like the angel spoke, and then Mary was distressed, and then began to panic about this greeting. What in the world is God up to in Christmas? Look at what it says, verse 30. The angel of the Lord said to her, don't be afraid. There it is again, fear. L listen, I mean, how many times does fear drive our life? How many times does fear drive our life? And here it is again with Mary, just like Joseph. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We, we think maybe the primary uh, experience of the holidays is happiness. What if it's fear? Oh, something might go wrong. Oh, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, uncertainty, all the things that kind of get messed up in us. And, and the greeting comes again. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. Going on through then. Wondering what kind of greeting it can be. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. There it is again. This is going to be your son born to you, right? And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, man, let me just stop for a second and say, we heard Emmanuel, God with us a minute ago, said to Joseph, right? The prophets have said Emmanuel, God with us. But Son of the Most High God, that's going back to the Abram. Uh, journey, right? The most high God, like Elohim, like this is, this is the, you're, you're going to be part of some uh, historic narrative. And I can't help but think she must have felt completely inadequate, completely inadequate in this moment. H how am I going to have anything to do with the God most high? Probably not a very happy feeling in that moment. The son of the most high, the Lord God, will give him the throne of his father. Listen to the words. His father, David. I mean, again, she had to be freaked out. Like, what? My son? And wait. And then, look what she expresses. 34, absolute confusion. Wait, how is this going to work? I mean, there's a moment where you can be excited about God saying, yeah, you're going to give birth to the, the son of the most high and the you know, his father's David's throne's going to, you know, restore the, th you can get excited about that as Israelites. I mean, there's been a lot missing in the culture and they're, they're hurting and waiting as a people. But then you go, how's this going to work? I'm a virgin. I think we could say, she was asking a practical question. How can I be pregnant? I'm a virgin. But then how, how's it going to work? Because I'm a virgin. Like, is this part of the, my, your plan for me? To have a son, absolutely confused. And then if you can't read this text with some grace toward Mary, like, I, I don't even know. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One will be called the very Son of God. 
this idea of being completely engulfed in God's plan. This isn't a matter of like, you know, you take it up. If you feel like it, you're going to do it. It's like you're going to be immersed, completely covered in the plan of God. I just want to say, this is Mary's experience of Christmas. Freaking out, overwhelmed, confused, uncertain, and God having way bigger plans than she could understand. What? How would this work? And then he says this, though, in 37. Nothing is impossible with God. There must have been some sense that she thought, this isn't going to happen. There's no way. This doesn't make any sense. And he uses an example of Elizabeth, which we know about, right? But he says this. Nothing is impossible with God, Mary. Don't doubt it. Don't believe the lie. Nothing is impossible. This um, must have been an overwhelming experience. And then check out. Here we go again. Mary, Joseph. I mean, this, you know, you can, we can say like, oh, look, they did the right thing. Or you can say, look, God picked the right people. Joseph was a righteous man. God didn't make a mistake. You're going to be the guy that's going to stick around when things are really, really hard, Joseph. Mary, uncertain as she was, young as she was, had a heart for the Lord. I am the Lord's servant, she says in 38. May it be to me as you have said. And I think in those words of obedience and surrender to the Lord's plan in her life, she demonstrated such a fantastic faith in his goodness for her. Whatever you want from me. I mean, how many of us in our lives, as we walk into the Christmas season, can say, God, I'm all bent up inside. I'm confused. I'm freaking out a little bit. But God, whatever you want for me, that's what I will do. Whatever you have for me, that's what I will walk through. Whatever family you've placed me in, that's what I'm going to journey through. Whatever you call me to say or do, that's what I'm going to do. And not only that, but get this, Mary knows who she is. As a matter of fact, we're not going to spend time on it today, but if you look in the Gospel of Luke, the next thing that happens is what's called Mary's song. And one of the things that Mary says in her song is, who am I that God would pay attention to me, right? I mean, she knows who she is, and she knows that God knows who she is, and in, with all all that knowledge of his glory and her weakness and his perfect, you know, stature and her imperfection, she says, I am your servant. Do what you want with me. I just think we cannot underestimate the radical faith that she demonstrates in that moment. Mary is indeed blessed. Mary is indeed blessed because she's a faithful follower of the Lord. So that's Joseph and that's Mary. I want to take one more stop and then we're going to wrap it up, right? And that's the first witnesses. And it's kind of funny because Dale read this text today as we began worship. And we're going to hear it again starting in chapter 2 of Luke, uh, verse, let's go with verse 1, I think. Yeah, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the ruler, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is interesting, by the way, that they were trying to get everyone accounted for. Okay, now here's a Christmas story for you. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So this mass exodus, this people moving everywhere, everyone's traveling. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, of, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. That, that list in Matthew, remember that? He went there to register 
check it out, <laughs> with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I just want to stop for a minute and say his first Christmas was traveling with a pregnant woman. And I'm going to be careful here, but I'm going to say, you load a pregnant woman in a car and drive her three or four hours on Christmas, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have to be cautious. It's, it could be a tough trip. You put a woman on a donkey and you walk her to your hometown, yeah, that's going to be a long journey. That's all I'm saying. And I mean, I know, right? And I'm not making fun because what's Mary going to do? She's pregnant. So she's like sitting there going, really? Really? This is what we have to do? This is what we have to do on Christmas. Take this crazy trip to your hometown so you can register in person. What a crazy time. And again, let's, let's see God's sovereignty. She was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So while they were there, the time came for that baby to be born, born in the town of David. And she gave birth to her firstborn that was a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. By the way, we'll say over and over again in this, oh, what a crazy accidental story it is. Or you can say, oh, what a beautiful, God-orchestrated, perfectly planned and timed event. This man, this woman, this census, this location, these rooms being full, this baby brought into the world. Check it out. Verse 8. And there were the shepherds living in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? terrified man I mean here we go again this is the Christmas narrative for them right we got the wise men following the star and then the star goes away where's the star and then the star comes back there's the star right we talked about that last week now we have and by the way this is out of order I get that right but now we have the the shepherds in their field at night why would the text say that in their field at night because the glory of the Lord when it showed up freaked them out well, if you're, if you're in first century Palestine and you're a shepherd out in the fields and you, it's dark, you know? And you're not expecting some light from the sky. <laughs> and if, if I had to kind of unpack this a little bit, I would think it would be like the, uh, a SWAT helicopter with those big lights that chase people around neighborhoods when they've done bad things, showing up in the middle of the desert, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Ah, what's that guy doing up there? You know, like you're freaking out, man. This is supposed to be quiet. The sheep are lowing. You know what I mean? Whether the cattle are lowing us and the sheep are buying. Whatever they do. Right? It's peaceful. And then, brr, there's this like glory of God shone around them and they were terrified. Man, I've heard this um, text where it reads, it says, they were sore afraid. Isn't that funny? Sore afraid. And you go, well, no, it's just terrified in my Bible. It means they were fear, fearied, feared. You know what I mean? It's like the phobias are compounded here. These guys were freaking out about the glory of the Lord. This is their Christmas response. It's not some like, oh, look, it's cute light. They're like, what? What's happening? Why is everybody so happy? That's what they were thinking right now, right? They have no way to process this. And it says, the angel said to them, don't be, what? Afraid. Man, they were afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Today. He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. 
this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly the great company of heavenly hosts appeared, as Dale said, with the angel praising the Lord and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom their favor, his favor rests. What? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. What? Peace. Glory. I can't imagine that wasn't a song. And when the angels had left them and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go and see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby. By the way, isn't it funny? The shepherds, the shepherds. Talk about nativities. We usually have maybe one young shepherd boy. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. He's still there. Not like the wise men. He's still there. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been said about this child. And everyone, everyone who heard the Christmas story was amazed at what the shepherds said. That's the emotion. Amazement. What? Terrified. Afraid. Fear-filled. Glory-filled. We have that experience. These shepherds, the first witnesses in the text. So what is, right, what is the good news at Christmas? And what, 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 what should it look like? I just want to, I don't want to say we shouldn't be happy because we're going to be happy at Christmas. Of course we are. But what about a full birth of emotions? What about the idea that you might be sore afraid? What about you might be overwhelmed, uncertain as you look through Christmas to the new year? What about the feeling that you might not even be prepared for what God has laid out for you as a believer in Jesus, as a righteous man, as a faithful woman. You say, what? Is that allowed? Are we allowed to express those emotions at Christmas as well? Can we be who we are? The word says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people good news of great joy. And I want to say something about this. Joy is not happiness. Joy is something that supersedes the current emotional state of our lives. Joy is an expectation that despite your best plans that are not being followed anymore, despite the desires of your heart that seem to be dying as you see them, God has a better plan for you, and that brings joy. Joseph and Mary had joy because of what God had done in their lives. Not necessarily happiness, but joy. And then I think, again, Mary here, verse 19. And this is a great way to walk through the Christmas season. I mean, if you're happy, 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 praise God, man. Be happy, happy, happy. And, and, if, and if you're struggling, praise God. Struggle. You know, uh, we're not encouraging you to wallow, but check it out. Look at what Mary does in verse 19. It says, but Mary, all the noise, all the cacophony, all the shepherds, all the amazement. And this is what the word says. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She just let them live in here. In spite of all that stuff, in spite of all that was uncertain to come, she just let it live in her heart. God, what will you do? 
this Christmas season? What will you do in 2017? What will you do with the next 20 or 30 or 40 years of my life? What will you do tomorrow? Mary just let that stuff kind of kindle or, you know, pile up in her heart. And so I wonder when we're trying to force that, are we willing to let that be our emotion? Just wondering with God, what are you doing? What would you have for me? A very biblical idea. Being a whole person. Believing that God knows that about us. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I don't know what it is, and we're not trying to dig something up, but man, just to be before God right now together, would you join me in prayer? Close your eyes if you would. Bow your heads. Father God, uh, for the whatever's going on in our lives right now, for um, all the totality of the season, the excitement, the joy, the happiness, the pain, the heart, the love um, for everything, the expectation, the disappointment. Father God, we just bring it to you right now. We, we like Mary, lay ourselves bare and just say, you know, you know who we are. We know who you are. And that's cause for great joy. Father, would you continue to walk us through this season of faith? Would you continue to cause us to have our eyes fixed on you? when our culture screams it should be about other things. And Lord, even when those things seem so good, would, we, would, would you call us to bring our gaze back to you? Who are you in our lives? What do you have for us? We love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people who've come before, who've given us such great examples on how to be um, real, honest-to-goodness people who are encountering a real honest to goodness God Father that's what we want this season you and nothing else just you so Father would you show us that path this holiday would you draw us into your place into your space and we make that our great celebration and our great emotion this year we love you so much we thank you for the work that you do and the way you do it may you be glorified Father, if there are concerns that friends have here that need to be dealt with, I pray we deal with them. I pray that we bring them before your throne, your throne of grace, and we just know that we're highly favored in you. We love you so much, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.